Blog Talk Radio.
Praise God. Praise God. God does make a way, and he will continue to make a way for you, for me, for those that we're praying for and believing God for. God is a way maker, a tremendous way maker. God makes a way out of no way. In other words, God makes a way when there seems to be absolutely no way in sight, yet our God will still make a way. God bless you, reaching out radio international audience. You're listening to In the Word with your sister Pearl, and I am so privileged, so honored to be with you yet another time. I would like to ask you how you're doing today, but of course, I won't be able to receive your answer. I trust that many of you are doing well, but even to those of you that are going through hard places and difficult circumstances, I'm here to encourage you tonight that God is going to make a way out of no way as you place your faith and your trust in Almighty God. I want to give a special uh, Reaching Out Radio International uh, welcome to all of you that are listening around the world. We are so blessed to have you with us on this broadcast, and we pray that this will be a tremendous blessing to you. For those of you that are listening in for the very, very first time, we give you a special welcome. Um, I wish I could speak every, every language that will be listening to this program, but of course, if you're listening to this program, you're listening in English, no matter what your mother tongue is, if you're listening to my program, you are listening in the English language, and I'm so blessed. I hope that some of you that uh, have some friends that perhaps they cannot uh, understand English, uh, you can just listen in as I share the word of God in English, and um, maybe you can even translate for your friends what the Lord shares with me or some of our other hosts in English you can translate and share with them in their mother tongue, in the language that they can understand. I want to give a special uh, welcome to and blessing to the director of Reaching Out Radio International, and that's Evangelist Montel Fields. We thank God for you, woman of God, if you happen to be listening in. We pray God's uh, abundant blessings upon you, your husband, your children, your grandchildren, your loved ones. And we pray that you too will be so blessed by the word that God has given me tonight. Um, pray that it will be a strength and encouragement to you and to all of our listeners. I'm going to read a scripture and then I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and have his way in the remaining hour that we have together. The scripture that I'm going to read uh, is is very much relating to the title of tonight's message, God Makes a Way Out of No Way. And I'm going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers 
in the desert. And who is the I that is speaking here in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19? It is no one less than the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, the God who flung the sky into existence, the one who called light to be. We're talking about God, the great God, the only true and living God. Amen. That's who we're talking about tonight. And this great God, the only real God, he can do what no one else can do. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation, I'm here to tell you that our God makes a way out of no way. Let's just pray to him and uh, ask him to favor us with his presence tonight and anoint me as his handmaiden to deliver this word that he has given me and to also anoint your hearing that you might be able to understand and perceive what the Spirit of God is saying to you tonight, saying to me, and that we'll all be blessed through this word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so just blessed to be able to call you our Father. Uh, We humble ourselves before you. We know that in ourselves we can do no good thing, but because of your Holy Spirit that indwells those who have invited him to come and to take charge of their lives, who've repented of their sins and that are born again, having the Spirit of God indwelling them, Lord God, we, we know that uh, nothing is impossible for you, nothing is impossible for us. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and have your way. And uh, just minister every heart that would be listening to this broadcast, oh God. Uh, Open up our understanding. We beat back the forces of darkness that would try to bring distraction and would try to prevent us from hearing or prevent us from understanding and grasping your precious word. God, make it come home to us. Make it very understandable for us. Every man, every woman, every teenager, every boy, every girl, God, bring it home. Bring your word uh, alive. Make it alive and help it to do everything that you have set forth in your word to do. And we know that you told us that your word will never return to you void, but it will accomplish those things that you want it to accomplish. And so we thank you for that, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So when the prophet Isaiah wrote about God making a way in the wilderness, it's very clear. It means that you and I will find ourselves in situations that are wilderness-like. In other words, we're going to find ourselves living in times that it seems that we have been placed in a wilderness. Well, what is a wilderness? The word wilderness means an uncultivated, uninhabited, and inhospitable region. It's a place that is not comfortable for us to be living in. It is not, the, 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 the land has not been cleared. Uh, other people are not living there. It's uninhabited. 
it's a neglected or an abandoned area of a garden or a town. In other words, it's full of weeds and bushes if it was a piece of land or it was maybe an overrun garden. is a position of disfavor. So if you and I find ourselves in a wilderness experience, it is not a comfortable place to be in. Prophet then goes on to tell us that the Lord will cause rivers to flow out of the desert. This is unheard of. Think about a desert. A desert in this context is talking about a large, dry, not a wet, a large, dry, barren region, usually having sandy or rocky soil and little or no vegetation. A desert is definitely not a place where you can find water. Yet God said through the man of God, the prophet Isaiah, that he will cause rivers to flow in the desert. And what is a river? A river is a large natural stream of water flowing in a channel to the sea, a lake, or another such stream. So here goes a very interesting verse. God says, I will make a way. I'll make a way for you in right in the middle of the wilderness. In in the it, right in that place that's uncultivated, uninhabited, and in that place that's very inhospitable, neglected, abandoned of disfavor, I will make a way for you in that place. Wow. And I will cause rivers, not even, you know, a little trickling of water, you know, a little drip, a little drizzle, you know, a little spout. No, I will cause rivers in the desert. That is our God. One of the first stories I immediately think about when I, I think about Isaiah chapter 43 and, and verse 19 that we read, one of the first stories I immediately think about is God making a way in the wilderness and creating a way where there was absolutely no way. Remember that time when the children of Israel were fleeing from the Mighty Pharaoh of Egypt, allow me to read you just a portion of Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 through 29. But before I do, let me just give you a little background history. The children of Israel were living in Egypt, and they became slaves. The Pharaoh made them slaves. He was a very hard task master. He, he forced them to do what in the natural would seem impossible. He was so cruel, so hard, no compassion, and, and just not even being realistic. He would ask them to literally make bricks out of straw. How can one make bricks? out of straw, but yet God enabled 
them to do so because of the great pressure that they were under. And if they didn't do what the Pharaoh told them to do, of course, they would be killed. And so they were really under tremendous duress, tormented, harassed day in, day out for years. They were multiplying because the hand of the Lord was upon them. They were his people. And so God made a way of escape for the children of Israel to leave Egypt. And actually even King Pharaoh, because of all the plagues that God had allowed to come into Egypt and had sent, literally sent, into Egypt. And you can read this story in the book of Exodus. I would encourage you to read. Take your time and read the second book of the Holy Bible. It's in the Old Testament. First we have Genesis, and then the next book is Exodus. Take your time and read that entire book of Exodus. But this story that I am taking the scriptures from tonight is literally the chapter that talks about their their escape, and then crossing the Red Sea. Okay, so here goes the children of Israel. We're talking about 1.66 million people, a lot of people. With Moses, their leader, they're crossing over the Red Sea. Well, how can this be possible? Well, when you have God as your leader, And when you've submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that as we were were even speaking last, the last two Sundays, is there anything too hard for God? And the answer is no. There is nothing too difficult. There is nothing too hard for our God to do. So, So this is the situation. The children of Israel are leaving and running away, escaping Egypt. But all of a sudden, Pharaoh, who allowed them to leave, changed his mind, and now he decides, oh, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't want them to leave. After all, I'm going to run after them. I'm going to overtake them, and I'm going to force them to come back to Egypt with me. But that was not God's plan. God's plan was to deliver, fully deliver Egypt. I mean, not Egypt, fully deliver the people of Israel out. And he was not going to allow them to go back and be in bondage and be in slavery in Egypt again. So let me read Exodus chapter 14. Now that you have a little background, now that you know pretty much where we are in our story of them uh, walking and crossing over the Red Sea, let me read for you the book of Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 through 29. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, because here they are, the great nation of Israel that is escaping, and now they're, they're leaving and fleeing from Egypt. But there's a problem. There's a great body in front of them, and they cannot walk through the Red Sea or any kind of sea or any kind of ocean or any kind of lake that would cause them to be drowned and to be killed. So now there's nowhere else for them to go but into the sea. 
and they cannot, they cannot walk through a great sea. So God told Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea. And this is what we're talking about in verse 21 of Exodus 14. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst or in the middle of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Praise God. So in this miraculous story of God delivering the children of Israel, an estimated 1.66 million men, women, and children crossed the Red Sea with Moses. This was no small feat. This was no small accomplishment for sure. With God, all things are possible. Here we see God literally making a way out of no way. It was impossible in the natural for all of these people or even one person to cross the Red Sea on dry ground. How are you going to cross a sea? In the natural, that cannot happen. And and even if you began to walk in the sea, you would not be walking on dry land. So God did a miraculous thing for the children of Israel. He allowed them to cross on dry land. Just picture it. He's opening up the Great Red Sea. He's allowing the sand to become dry. And there's a great body of water as they are walking in the middle of the Red Sea. There's a great body of water standing up right and to their left. Just see it. So Pharaoh and his army thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. We'll just follow. We'll follow them into this uh, situation. And we'll also go on dry ground and, and, and we'll go 
and 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 we will run after them and we will capture them and we will defeat them and we will take them back. But God said no. So God allowed the children of Israel and their leader Moses to cross over safely to the other side. But now when Pharaoh, his horsemen, his chariots, and all of the army that had come with him to defeat, attempt to defeat Israel and to capture Israel, here they are now running after Israel on this dry ground that they saw God open up for, for Israel. But now they're in the middle, in the middle. They didn't cross over to the other side yet. They're in the middle. And God closes back, brings back the sea into its natural form. There's no more walls protecting. There's no more dry ground. The Red Sea goes back into its natural order and totally destroys Pharaoh, his army, his chariots, and all of his horses that came to pursue Israel. I'd like to sing a little song for you, something that I've never done on any broadcast that I can remember, that Carol Symbola wrote. If you've ever heard of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir in New York City, that's the wife of that well-known church. The pastor is called Jim Symbola, and his wife, Carol, is a very gifted songwriter, choir leader, and pianist who, who the Lord has blessed with so many songs for the body of Christ, which have been sung worldwide. I personally have taught this little powerful song to many people in different nations who've encountered some really difficult situations and they find themselves in hard places where there seems to be no way out for them in the natural realm. But often that is when King Jesus shows up. I know he's done it for me time and time and time again. And by the grace of God, as long as he will give me breath on planet Earth, I believe he will do it again. And the name of the song is entitled, Jesus, We're Depending on You. And that's what I'm going to ask you in our listening audience, no matter what nation that you're listening from. You take that. In your heart, claim that you are depending, no matter how dark it looks, no matter how serious the situation is, I want you by faith in God to proclaim that you're going to be depending, say like this lady that wrote the song, Jesus, I am depending on you. I'm depending on you to see me through. Now, she wrote, Jesus, we're depending on you to see us through. So I'm going to attempt to do something that I have not done before. I pray that you will bear with me as I attempt to sing this song. I'm trying to sing it very clear so that you can understand it. But let me read you the words first. It says, Jesus, we're depending on you. To see us through. Israel, meaning the nation of Israel, came to the water. They didn't know what to do. There was no one to help them. They couldn't see their way through. Then the Lord moved the water. 
and they walked right on through. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. The second verse, when your faith tried by fire and you know what to do, devil is a liar and there isn't much he can do, although he tried to stop us. We see our way through. Jesus, we're depending on you. I might change those words just a little bit because I used to change it just a little bit. And I'm going to do that when I sing it. So here it goes. Bear with me. I pray that it will be a blessing to you and it's clear and you can understand me. Jesus, depending on you. Oh, Jesus. We're depending on you, oh Jesus, we are depending on you, we're depending on you to see us through, came to the water, they didn't know what to do, there was no one to help them. They couldn't see their way through. But, Lord, you moved the water, and they walked right on through. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, Jesus, say, I am. I am depending on you. Oh, Jesus. And depending on you, oh Jesus, and depending on you, I'm depending on you to see me through. Second verse When your face tried by fire, you don't know what to do. You know that devil's a liar. There's not much he can do. Though he tries hard to stop us, we know, Lord, you'll see us through. Oh, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, Jesus, I am depending on you every night and day, Jesus. I am depending on you, oh Jesus, I am depending on you, I'm depending on you to see me through. One last time, let's sing Jesus, we're depending on you, Jesus, we're depending on you. Oh, Jesus, we are depending on you. Every day in every way, Jesus, we are depending on you. We're depending on you to see us through. Hallelujah. I hope that you heard what Sister Pearl uh, sang tonight. And remember... As you put your faith in God, he will do exactly what he did 
for the children of Israel. Remember, they came to the water. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what God was going to do. There was no one else around who could help them. Certainly no one else had the power to help them. But they looked to no one else their creator God, the God who made the Red Sea, the God who made them, the God who made Pharaoh, who made uh, the, the chariots, who, who made the horses, to that God. And God, the only true and living God, he made a way for them. I cannot tell you how many times I've sung this song over myself, over my daughter, and over other people that I've been ministering to when facing very difficult situations. Because God is not a man. He's the sovereign God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He can do what no one else, absolutely no one else can ever do. When you and I call on him, humble ourselves, and we admit our own inability to get the job done, but instead we place our complete confidence, our total trust in him, that is when he's going to move on our behalf. Think about it. How in the world could Moses and the children of Israel cross the great Red Sea without the divine intervention of God Almighty who created the Red Sea? How could a young lad, a boy, the name of David, walk down, crush, take off the head of the great, accomplished, huge, giant warrior Goliath? Even the adult fighting men of Israel were so afraid of Goliath. I'm told through the historians that David was not even a tall man. He was short in stature compared to other men. Time that God used him to slay Goliath, he was not even an adult yet. He was yet a boy. Could a young boy who was short, how could he do what the experienced adult fighting men and soldiers of Israel could not do? They were afraid of Goliath. Well, how could how could young David do this? Well, David experienced God deliver him when he was in his father's field caring for sheep caring for his father's flock, and God gave David the strength to kill a lion, tempted to devour the sheep. Another time, there was a bear near the sheepfold that David was tending to, and God again gave this young boy the power, the strength, and the ability to kill the bear. Now, in the natural, a young boy is no match for a bear to eat that is hungry. Uh, 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 in, the, in the natural, a young boy is no match for a, a lion that is hungry and ferocious and wants to eat some sheep. But God gave David courage, power, to kill a lion and to kill a bear. So David 
believe that surely this same God would give the enemy of Israel into his hand, no matter how big, no matter how tall, no mighty how fearful and how terrible this big was. He believed that his God that delivered him out of the hand of the lion and the bear would deliver this great enemy of Israel into his hand. And surely that's exactly what took place. But what happens when we, we, we you know, that happened, and I tell you, God has done that many and many times again. All over scripture, God allowed the impossible to take place in a situation that uh, in the natural there was just no way, except for the divine intervention of a sovereign God. But that's the God that we serve. Yeah, I want to. I want to now, and and I can tell you. I tell you. I, I wish I could tell you how many times God has done the miraculous. For this person that is talking to you right now in this broadcast, I'm talking about myself. Some of the stories I can't tell you because it involves other people that are yet alive and this is an international broadcast and I don't want them to reap the consequences of me just telling it all. I can't. But I can tell you that God can do what no other person can do. That is a fact of life. That is a fact of life. I'll tell you something that I perhaps told you before. I know some of you have heard this story, but so many of you that are new nations listening in, you've never heard this particular story. This I can tell with, to you freely because it does not involve uh, other people, except for the co-pilot that was with me, he was really the pilot, and I was the co-pilot, but I happened to be the one flying at that time. Uh, I used to fly uh, small Cessna airplanes when I was in my early 20s. And I remember a time when myself and another person, we were flying a very small Cessna two-seater airplane. And this was a time that we were flying into unfamiliar terrain. In other words, we were not accustomed flying in that area. It was in uh, the state of New Hampshire. And there for this weekend, and we were now on our, on our way back to a state by the name of New Jersey. That's where we were going to fly the air, uh, air, little airplane back into Caldwell, New Jersey, uh, from New Hampshire. But what happened, even though we took the plane up and it seemed to be uh, good weather, by the time we got up and we were flying for at least a half hour, the weather completely, and I mean utterly, changed on us. It changed so badly that we couldn't see anything in front of us. The only way I can explain it to you Think of white 
cotton and and put white cotton balls on your eyes. Press them close to your eyes. Close your eyes. Put the cotton balls on your eyes, and you will not be able to see anything. And that's exactly what happened to us. We we were flying into the the white mountains of New Hampshire, and we were flying in very poor weather. We flew into a thunderstorm. We could not see anything but white. The little instrument that we had in that airplane was not working. There's an instrument that looks, it looks like a picture of an airplane, okay? And if you're flying uh, horizontally, you're not leaning to the right or you're not leaning to the left, then the little picture of the airplane looks even, it looks balanced, and it, it looks straight. But because this particular little instrument was not uh, working, we didn't know if we were flying balanced, if we were flying a little bit leaning to the right or leaning to the left. We couldn't tell. And to make it worse, we couldn't tell if we were going, you know, going to fly right into a mountain. We couldn't see anything. So thank God, I at that time was a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The person next to me was in a backslidden condition, meaning that they were not really walking with the Lord the way they should have been walking with the Lord in faith. But I was, thank God, I was at that time. And thank God I've been walking with the Lord like that ever since, only by the grace of God. But anyway, so I was, like I said, I was very young, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, if God does not deliver us, we're going to die. There's no doubt about it because we would fly that little Cessna straight into the mountains, and that would be the end of the airplane and end of us. But God, but our great God. And so thank God at least we had the ability to call the um, control tower that was several miles away, and we called and we said, could you please try to locate us try to locate uh, our plane because we can't see anything and we are in the mountains now and we do not want to wreck our plane and we don't want to die. Can you please find us and help us to navigate, get us safely to the ground because we don't know, we cannot see anything. We cannot even see shadows. Can't see anything but white, full white all around us because we're now in the clouds. So thank God, by the mercy of God, the control tower did find us, and they said, don't worry, we've got you, but you have to listen to everything we tell you. Don't be afraid. Just do everything we tell you to, to the T. Don't make any changes, and we will help you get safely down. Thank God. That's what happened. And we stayed on dry. <laughs> we got down safely in another state. And um, that's it. We stayed there until, you know, the, the weather changed and it was good again and clear. And we were able to get back into the air and fly safely to New Jersey. And we were very 
grateful to Almighty God. But had it not been for the miracle hand of God and even us being able to be seen by control in the midst of that storm, we would be dead. I wouldn't be here broadcasting to you. And I can tell you story after story after story where it was only the intervening hand of God that made a way for me and made a way for other people that I've been praying for that we made it through. But, but what happens when we do not receive the answer to our prayer in the way that we would like that answer to come? We still trust God. That's what we have to do. What happens when tragedy comes our way? We trust God. You know, I've had miracle healings myself, and I've prayed uh, for people to receive miracles from God and healing from God, and thank God I can tell you that many of those people were miraculously healed. I remember um, there was a time that I was in a, uh, a closed nation, and I was in one of the government churches in that nation, one of the few um, licensed churches, uh, which I did not frequent many times, but I happened to be there in the balcony, and there was a woman that came up to me at the end of the service, and she began to shout pretty loudly and say, oh, there she is, pointing to me. There she is, there she is. She's the woman that prayed for me, and God healed me. I did not, I tell you the truth, I didn't even remember the woman. I, you know, and then when she kept explaining that her, her face came back to me vaguely, and that she said God healed her. Well, it was certainly God and not me, but I was the one that prayed for her at that time, and God healed her. And God uses his sons and his daughters to, to pray for people, and people do get healed. But not all the time do people get healed. I remember that my, my father and my mother prayed for my, the brother that came right after me. They prayed for him. They prayed in faith. They took him to a lot of people for other faith people to pray for him, but yet God saw it fit to take him, to be with him in heaven. So, so what happens when not everything goes the way that we would like it to go? Now, you remember that song that was played at the very beginning of this broadcast? That song is called, He Will Make a Way. God will make a way. Where there seems to be no way He works in ways we cannot see He will make a way for me I want to tell you uh, the, the testimony behind that song Because, you know, Don Moen is a famous, famous uh, songwriter here in America And he tells us, and I'm going to read to you His exact words he tells us that that song, the story behind God Will Make a Way, it was a tragic situation. I want to say and read to his exact words. He's saying, these are the words of Don Moen, saying, I wrote God Will Make a Way for a tragic situation in my family. My wife's sister and husband had been traveling with their family on the way to Colorado to have a ski vacation. 
when their van was broadsided by an 18-wheeler, all four of the boys, their sons, were thrown out of the van, and three were seriously injured. But Jeremy, the oldest son, was killed instantly. Don Moen says, when I heard that news, I can't tell you how hopeless I felt. All the words that came to my mind to say to Susan and Craig, which was his sister-in-law and her husband, that day, it seemed to fall short of what I really wanted to say. All the scriptures that came to my mind didn't seem to be the right ones, and I had to get on the airplane the next day. I was reading in my Bible from Isaiah chapter 43, how God will make a way and a roadway in the wilderness and a river in the desert, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. It says, don't remember the former things. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it will spring forth. I'll make a roadway in the wilderness and a river in the desert. And as I was sitting on the plane that day, I just asked the Lord to give me something to say to my sister-in-law and her husband at the funeral something that would bring them hope in a hopeless situation. And in that moment, God gave me a simple song, which has become one of my most well-known songs, God Will Make a Way, where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He'll make a way for me. And I know one phrase is a phrase that God gave me to say to Susan and Craig that day. He works in ways we cannot see. And maybe you that are listening to this right now, you need to hear that same phrase today. This song was written in a desperate situation. But it is not a song of desperation. It's a song of declaration that God will make a way, and he'll make a way for you. Listen to this broadcast. Whenever you listen to it, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the day, whether it's in the afternoon, whether it's in the evening, whether it's in the midnight hour. No matter what you're going through, you just have to believe that even though your bank account may not look good, the doctor's report may not sound good, God is working in ways, and he's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. That's the song that I would sing over my daughter when she was close to death's door as an infant. Though she was about eight months old, she was still barely 11 pounds serious congenital heart disease, but God made a way for her. And by that time, I knew the song, God Will Make a Way. And God did make a way for her. She's 22 years old today. By the grace of God, and she's well, and she's whole by the mercy and goodness of God. Though I lost my brother when he was just four and a half years old, I know that God is still good. I don't understand 
everything that he allows. But I know that he is still a miracle worker. So even though you have experienced very difficult, tragic things, I can say to you that the weeping endures for a night. Joy does come in the morning. Not everything is going to be tragic. Not everything is going to be devastation. Not everything is going to cause you to cry. David, when he was older, he said in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley shadow of death, I fear no evil. Remember that part in the verse that says, I will walk through. That means that I am not staying there of the shadow of death. I am walking through, coming out. Name of Jesus. God, my God, is making a way. He's making a way. And God is going to make a way. For Craig and Susan, though they lost Jeremy and they miss him, God has healed their hearts. He made a way for them to live. I lost my first brother. There was sorrow and there was sadness. God has made a way of healing for my parents when they were alive. For me, as I was old enough, I was seven, and I knew my brother well, and that was a tragic time. But I'm here today, and God has made a way, and he's healed that brokenness and that, that, that hurt and that pain that I suffered at the loss of my brother. And whatever it is that you're dealing with, God will make a way for you. Please believe God. He's good God. He's real God. We don't often understand why he allows us to go through certain circumstances, but he is a way maker. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. In other words, he could actually make a door. There's not even a doorway there. He can make light where there was all darkness. I remember a lot of things that people told me, you, can, you will never be able to do this particular thing. But God had already showed me that, Pearl, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And even though I had people in great authority telling me, you're never going to be allowed to do this, or, or this particular government is never going to allow you to do this. I can tell you, because I'm over on the other side now, that God did allow me to do it. So it's not by what we can see or by what other people tell us what God says. And as I said in the very beginning of this message, God says to us in Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Don't you understand it? Do you not believe it? So you might have had a lot of sadness and sorrow before. Know that I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
power to do that, saith God. I can do what nobody else can do. And if I allowed a tragedy to happen because God hates you, it's because God has a plan. And he's working out his plan. Many things about his plan we don't understand. That's why he's God and we're who we are. We can only see but so far. We cannot see what God sees. So in the times that we don't understand what's going on, let's simply trust him to make a way, just like Don Moen told his sister-in-law and his brother-in-law, when they lost their son, their oldest son, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way. He will turn it around. He will make a way. Let me just pray with you before we close tonight's broadcast. Your God, our God, is a great and an awesome God. If you're facing an impossible situation, know that there is nothing impossible with God. All things are possible with him. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's listening to the sound of my voice. God, we know of times that you've even raised the dead back to life and given that individual alive to their parents. Even in our day, you have risen the dead. You have healed from incurable cancer and all kinds of disease. You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God, you have, you have healed broken relationships. You have delivered people out of all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of, you've delivered them from their captors and set them free. God, you're the same, and you can do it again. You're the God who makes a way out of no way. And God, we trust you. And we, we say that, Jesus, we are depending on you. of Israel depended on you when they came to that great body of water, the Red Sea. And whatever our Red Sea is tonight or today, we're depending on you to see us through safely to dry ground in Jesus' name. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. May his favor shine upon you and give you tremendous rest. This is your sister Pearl who loves you, but Jesus loves you so much more. God bless you until we meet again within the word with your sister Pearl on Reaching Out Radio International. Bye-bye. God bless.